This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is an American Crimecast production. Visit us at our new home at accproductions.org. Remember, everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Movement of objects, sounds, bleeding from Maurice's eyes, from no natural causes, crosses appearing on his body. State police were called in, local police. They found Maurice on the floor in the, in the uh, bathroom. And while there, they had seen phenomena occurring around Maurice. It happened on an average country road, in an average house. The neighbors were aware that something was wrong with the Ferio family. The children were normal. The wife was friendly, yet constantly troubled. And the husband, Maurice. The rumor was Maurice was possessed. When they were doing the, the exorcism on him, when he turned his head, I saw his face change. I saw the satanic look on his face. As Bishop McKenna chants, Therio's skin seems to bubble. A deep crack has opened on his forehead. I see characteristics of his face look like they're becoming all crinkled, like burnt. There's a split on the left side of the head, which widens, opens up. The eyes look like a serpent. How many are you? All of a sudden, his eyes rolled up in his head. His head went down, collapsed. Indeed, if you believe in demonic possession, that the devil can dwell in the soul of man and control his actions, then it was hell that broke loose here. He was possessed by a demonic spirit, maybe even more than one demonic spirit. He says, you're going to remember this. And the only thing that I could say when he did it was, amen. That's the only thing I said, amen. That's the only word that would come out of my mouth. The definition of a skeptic is a person who questions the validity or authenticity of something purporting to be factual. A person who maintains a doubting attitude as toward values, plans, statements, or the character of others. And a person who doubts the truth of a religion, especially Christianity, or the important elements of it. In 1985, Maurice Therio walked into the local police station in Massachusetts and turned in all of his guns. He was described as a devout Catholic, a regular guy, and quote, the gentlest man you could ever meet. So why would Maurice Therio do this? because he knew something that other people didn't and his family knew something that other people didn't. Maurice Therio believed that he was possessed by demons. Later that year an exorcism would be performed on Maurice. This exorcism 
is the very first one ever caught on video. And that's usually where our story stops. But not this one. My name is Justin. This is Mysterious Circumstances. And you're listening to The Demonic Possession of Maurice Therio, Part 1. Welcome to this episode. It is a pretty interesting one. I think you guys will all enjoy it quite a bit. Before we get started, let me take a sip of this real quick. And I suppose we can go ahead and light that as well. <clears throat> all right. Maurice Therio was born in 1936 in St. Agatha, Arstuk, Maine. He was the oldest of 15 children to farmers Maxim and Emila. Uh, he had a pretty troubled home life, to say the least. His father was half-neglectful and half-abusive, when he wasn't ignoring him, he was abusing him. Yeah, it didn't get better with age. It only got worse. Uh, it was reported that Maurice was actually pulled from the third grade and quit school, and he was made to work on his father's farm. Uh, and like I just stated, uh, it didn't get any better if, you know, as Maurice got older, you know, if he wasn't finishing up his chores as fast as his father thought he should then he was getting beat pretty regularly and like I just stated again uh, it only got worse with age now in his early teens it is stated by Maurice himself that he pleaded for help and he didn't plead to anybody in particular. He pleaded to God for help. He was raised a very strict Roman Catholic. His prayers were never answered. So it is said, and there are a couple different versions of this story, that Maurice Therio asked the devil for help. And he asked a curse to befall on his father. Whether that took effect, you're going to have to find out. What else is stated is that somebody had introduced him to the dark arts. Meaning black magic, Satanism, devil worship. In order for him to get what he wanted. Like I said, Maurice was not a very happy kid. He had a very, very troubled childhood. Now, there is an incident that is very, very, I can't say very reported, but it is considered fact, but only by Maurice, but it is written pretty much everywhere that I read to do research. 
And it is said that after he prayed to the devil to have a curse befall on his father, and he asked the devil for help to either protect him or to help him out or whatever the case may be, that there was an incident in his family's barn that involved his father. Now, Maurice had hinted to Nancy, his wife later on, which we'll get into that, that it involved some kind of sex. Now, we don't know if it was bestiality. We don't know if it was ritualistic sex because there are also reports or places that I read that Maurice's father was actually a devil worshiper as well. How much of that believe? I really don't put too much stock in it because I only read that in one place out of the dozens of places I read to try to piece this entire shit timeline together because this there's no solid timeline of events. So I had to try to piece this together uh, little by little. Now, apparently this incident in the barn was pretty traumatizing for him and it did involve sex. Now he had to watch whatever happened and supposedly he was involved in it as well. Now he never got into specifics when he told this story, but this is what he had hinted at. So that should be known. You can't put a hundred percent stock in that as fact. Now when he got a little bit older, he wanted to join the army. Uh, his father put a put a stop to that pretty pretty quickly. So Maurice instead decided to run away from home in his late teens. Now he ended up bouncing around New England for you know several years. He was in different places, held different odd jobs. Uh, he was married a couple times. He was living with different women, uh, and he ended up settling in Warren, Massachusetts. Uh, what he did was he was a farmer. He was a tomato farmer, and he would sell his uh, vegetables at a stand right there uh, in town locally. Now, Maurice wasn't without trouble, okay? Uh, in 1976, Maurice was charged with rape of a minor. He was sentenced to five years probation, which is appalling in its own right. But he supposedly recovered, stayed out of trouble for a while, and in 1984, he married Nancy. I do not know Nancy's maiden name. Uh, she deserves her privacy, so I did not look that up. Now, together combined, they had seven kids. They had none from their marriage together. And they ended up moving to Watley which was about 20 miles north of Springfield. Now, all of these townspeople in Warren and Wadley and around the Springfield area, they knew Maurice. They actually had a nickname for him, uh, which was Frenchie. Now, they called him Frenchie because he was born to French-Canadian parents. He spoke French very fluently. Um, it is said that since he was pulled out of the third grade that his English wasn't the best, but that is totally unconfirmed as well. Uh, he was described as a devout Catholic, just a regular guy, 
And like I said in the intro, quote, the kindest and gentlest man you could ever meet. Like I said, he did have some problems. And this pretty much, you know, culminated here in about 1985 when some weird things started happening. Now around his farm, uh, random fires started breaking out. You know, it is a little bit odd, but, you know, sometimes it happens. You can write that stuff off. Nancy and all of the kids started noticing changes in in Maurice. And a bunch of weird shit starts happening. Besides all these fires breaking out, Nancy reports that Maurice would often stand over her bed while she was sleeping and stare at her. She would often wake up to him just hovering over the top of her, giving her a blank stare. This would be in the middle of the night. Now when she would snap him out of it, he would have absolutely no memory of this happening. Some of the other things that occurred, blood would randomly appear around Maurice, and that would include bleeding from his eyes crosses started appearing on his back scratched into his back and that would include french words that were scratched into his back as well obviously the family is almost to the point right now and i know we fast-tracked it here but there's not much history from frenchie's childhood to to about 1984 with the, with the exception of his rest in 1976. So just try to keep on pace with me. Because it gets fucking interesting here real quick. Now along with these French phrases that or words that would supposedly be scratched into his back. Which were undocumented. I don't know what the hell they said. There were also reports of bilocation. Now bilocation by what I mean by that is Maurice would be sitting in the living room watching TV, kind of zoned out. Now, within a second or two, Nancy would see him in another room walking around the house. In one instance, she reported that she had followed him. She had sworn that he was in the living room, and she had followed him around the house, and when he walked into one particular room... She would follow him into that room, and he would not be there. She would go back to where she thought he was sitting, whether it was watching TV or whatnot, and he would be sitting there, and she would confront him about it, and he would have absolutely no memory of anything over the past, you know, few hours, let alone she he had no clue what Nancy was talking about. Now that goes along with another thing, which was chunks of time. Uh, Maurice started losing big chunks of time. He had no memory of what he was doing, what happened, anything of that nature. You know, he would not know shit from, you know, the first, you know, six hours of the day. And, you know, this, this, started bothering the family, and it bothered Maurice as well. Now, along with this, 
there were levitations happening, and not particularly uh, Maurice himself, but objects around the house were levitating, and they were moving around. Uh, the you know extent to what they were moving or levitated, you know, is not known. Um, neighbors actually reported hearing noises around the Therio farm. They would hear strange noises when they would talk to Maurice. When Maurice was around them, they would hear voices. Now, this is stated by several people that were his friends, that were close to him, that lived in town. Uh, there was no explanation for this. Now, because of the fires, the cops had been called out to the Therio farm, you know, several times. And they... They honestly saw a lot of this happening. They had witnessed some of the levitations. They had lit witnessed uh, Therio, you know, bleeding from from his eyes. They had seen the scratches appear. Uh, they didn't really know what to make of it, to be perfectly honest with you. So they kind of just let it go. I don't want to say they let it go, but they kind of did. Now, in late 1984, early 1985, Therio and his wife decide that something has to change. This is not this is not Maurice. He is a loving father, he's a loving grandfather. This really, you know, didn't make sense to anybody around them. So, what happens is he him and his wife get him checked into a hospital, the local hospital there, for physical and mental evaluations. Now, while he's in the hospital there, there are several, several eyewitnesses to the occurrences that happened here. They notice the levitations. They notice the random bleeding from his eyes. They notice his immense strength. That was another. That was one of the things I forgot to mention. I'm not a script writer, so I forget things sometimes. But Maurice would display phenomenal feats of strength. Just he could lift things that nobody else could lift. There was honestly no explanation for it. There are several, several witnesses throughout the years because this this feat of strength actually started when he was in his teens, supposedly after this whole ordeal from the barn or him asking the devil for help had occurred. This is when this started. Now, when he gets to the hospital, like I was saying, he... All the doctors, you know, lots of patients in the hospital, they're all witness to this. They all start noticing this. They honestly have no explanation for it. Now, around this time, it is stated that not only is Maurice doing all of this other shit that is totally unexplained, but he also starts speaking fluent Latin. Now, he was not just speaking fluent Latin, but he was speaking it backwards, like it was embedded in his brain, because along with this, he was also displaying knowledge. 
knowledge of things that he had not previously known. Now, to the extent of what this knowledge was, we do not know. It is not specified. So you can just take that with a grain of salt, keep that in the back of your mind. Now, after a full physical and mental evaluation, the doctors cannot find anything wrong with Maurice. There are no signs of mental illness. There are no signs of any kind of physical problems, which would have been related to the cuts on his back, uh, the French words appearing in cuts on his back, the bleeding from the eyes, anything, of, or the, even the feats of strength the doctors could not explain. So they were forced to release him because all of their results came up inconclusive. And it should be known that he was described by doctors and nurses as being a very soft-spoken and well-mannered guy. That should, very, that should be noted right now. Now, when he comes home, things start happening again. So what Maurice does is he goes to the local police station and he turns in his guns. He turns up every gun that he has and he pleads with the police department never to return them to him under any circumstances because he feels that he is a danger to himself and his family because of all these events that are going on especially the missing time uh, he when he would snap out of it he would have no recollection of the past few hours and this scared the shit out of him so he goes and he turns in all his guns. Now, like I said, when he gets home from the hospital, all these things start happening again. Now, since he had gone to the hospital for that mental and physical evaluation and everything came up inconclusive and they could show absolutely no signs of anything wrong with him, the next step, Nancy calls Father Boyer. Father Boyer was the local priest at St. Paul's Church there in Warren. Now, Father Boyer gets in contact with Ed and Lorraine Warren. Now, at this point in time, Ed and Lorraine Warren were pretty famous. They had released, you know, they were best-selling authors of the Amityville Horror uh, the movie had just been released there in 1979, not too far before this, or not too long before this, I should say. Uh, and Ed was considered one of the very few demonologists that could um, could help in any kind of exorcism. Now, he could not perform one himself, but he could assist in one. And there were only a few people in the country at the time that could do this. Now, on a side note, Ed and Lorraine Warren, uh, if you know anything paranormal, you know exactly who these people are. Uh, they started the New England Society of Psychic Research in 1952. Um, Lorraine is a noted medium, and uh, her and Ed are... I know Ed at least was a demonologist. I'm not 100% sure about uh, Lorraine herself. Let me take a sec here. All right. 
So what happens is the Warrens decide to bring in a paranormal group to see what's going on on the farm because all these instances seem to happen when they are on the farm. So they're starting to think like it's some kind of haunting. Now, they bring in a paranormal group, and the paranormal group that is there investigating are witnesses to all these occurrences, and there are literally at least a dozen of them. And the longer that they stayed in the house, the more intense everything got, and they started noticing um, the changes in Maurice himself, and his attitude, and his demeanor, and the way that he was acting towards people and not only did this happen at the therio farm but when the uh, paranormal group would leave the farm some of this activity would follow them back to their motels you know they you know that ranged anywhere from you know physical attacks to poltergeist activity and this happened not only to the Warrens, but to the skeptics in the group as well, the non-believers, the people who were there to debunk it. They reportedly told many, they, I mean, it's fully documented. All this is very well documented. There was actually a book that came out in 1990 called Satan's Harvest, which is about this case. It was written by Michael LaSalandra, with the help of the Warrens and Maurice Therio himself. So it wasn't just the believers that this stuff was happening to. Now some of the non-believers actually reported um, mood swings as well. They would be happy one second and extremely angry the next second. And they, when they returned back to the Therio farm, they tried to do a couple blessings on Maurice. Now what happened was when Maurice would recite a Hail Mary, he would become so physically violent that he had tried to choke Nancy. And this was not the first time. After this happened, Nancy had admitted that he had tried to do this on a couple other occasions while she was sleeping in bed. Now after the Warrens got this information. They concluded that this probably was not your run-of-the-mill haunting, but instead it was a possession. So what they do is they get a hold of Father Boyer. Now what Father Boyer and the Warrens do is they call in Bishop Robert McKenna. At the time, Robert McKenna was not a bishop. He was still a father or I should say a priest. Robert McKenna was a part of a sect of the Roman Catholic Church that was kind of separated from the overall establishment. They wanted to perform an exorcism. Now, since this exorcism was not sanctioned by the Catholic Church itself, they had to kind of do it under wraps, and that's why they got the help of Father uh, Robert McKenna, who Father at the time later became Bishop. After Father McKenna, uh, the Warrens, and several bystanders had personally examined Maurice Therio, 
they decide to go ahead and proceed with an exorcism. Now this is the very first exorcism ever documented on video. There are a couple videos of it on YouTube. There's a short version. I think the longest version on there is 13 minutes. There's a lot of it missing, I'm not going to lie. So while they're performing this exorcism, Maurice Stereo is sitting in the chair. Now as they are reciting whatever rituals that they recite during a Catholic exorcism, the left side of his face starts to bubble up. And you can see it in the videotape. And not only that, but a scar on the left side of his head starts to open up and starts bleeding. Also noticed by several eyewitnesses, including the Warrens, Father Robert McKenna, and about half a dozen other witnesses, they say that Maurice Theriot's face starts to change. They see blood start coming from his eyes, which literally change into little slits. Now, you can't see this from the videotape, I will admit that. Maybe if they was cleaned up, you know, and zoomed in on. But every witness there reported the exact same thing. Now, you can see his skin bubble, you can see his scar open up. Now, in 1985, this is straight up VHS recording technology. I'm not 100% sure that they had the technology to fake this kind of videotape. I could be wrong, and we'll discuss a little bit of that in part two when I get into facts and theories. This is just for the main story of it. Like I had said, this is considered the very first documented exorcism on videotape. Now, while the exorcism is happening... Father Robert McKenna asks whatever demon is inside Maurice Stereo to identify itself. And this is what Maurice says. I am what I am. And you say I'm proud. I am the legion of evil here to corrupt humanity. Now, after Father McKenna has the demon identify itself, the exorcism continues on for a little bit. Now, towards the end, Maurice's eyes roll back into his head. He slumps over, and he falls out of his chair. Now at this point in time, the wounds that we had previously spoken about, the bubbles on his face, it looked like it was burnt skin, the abrasion, the cut that was on the left side of his face that you can see in the video, starts to heal. There are several witnesses to this along with video. After he falls on the ground, he calls out for his wife Nancy in his regular voice. And it seems as though... This is the end, that Maurice is completely exercised of whatever demons he might have had. But this, this isn't over just yet. Stay tuned, I'm going to top off my drink, have a smoke, I'll meet you guys back here in a minute. So after this incident, everything seems to subside for a while.
Maurice goes back to his normal happy-go-lucky life, being an amazing husband and father and grandfather, and they decide to write a book about it. Like I had stated, Michael LaSalandra, who used to be a reporter, I believe, uh, wants to document what happened in a book form. So he decides to write a book called Satan's Harvest. Uh, he does include uh, the Warrens in on this, as as well as Maurice himself. Uh, that is released in 1990. Now, after this book is released, there are a lot of problems that start happening. There's a lot of devil worshippers that start coming around the farm they want to meet Maurice, they want to know what happened, they want more details. Maurice is trying to, you know, forget everything. He's trying to move forward. He's trying to go on with his life. He goes on a national book tour, you know, to promote the book and everything of that nature. And everything seems alright. But in about early 1992... Maurice starts becoming violent again. He starts threatening his family members again. He starts even threatening his neighbors at this point in time. And nobody really knows what to make of it. But Nancy obviously knows what's going on. So she enlists the help of the Warrens once again. And they perform another small exorcism. Uh, not to the extent of the one before because it wasn't as serious as uh, all the events weren't as serious as they were before. So it's a little bit uh, smaller exorcism, I guess you could say. But this time it really doesn't work. Uh, Maurice does not lose his violence. He does not lose his straight up fucking creepiness. So in October of 1992... Nancy decides to file for divorce and files a restraining order on Maurice. Maurice leaves the house and moves elsewhere, and Nancy ends up staying in the house. Now what happens next is only the stuff you can hear in horror stories. On November 3rd, 1992, Maurice Therio breaks in to her home. He cuts all the phone lines, grabs a 12-gauge shotgun, and he hides in the basement, and he waits for Nancy to come home. When Nancy comes home, Maurice confronts her. Their struggle ensues. Nancy breaks free and runs out the front door, trying to get away, trying to get a neighbor or anybody for help. Maurice fires a single shot from inside the house through the window and it hits her in the left side and in the left arm. She's pretty badly wounded, but definitely not life-threatening at this point. Maurice goes outside the house, grabs Nancy, takes her back inside, and they go and sit down in the living room. He sets her down in a chair and sits across from her. He takes the shotgun 
and he looks at her and he says, you're never going to forget this. You are never going to forget this. And he wrestles the shotgun into his mouth, fighting himself to put that shotgun into his mouth. And this is stated by Nancy. She said that it looked like he was fighting someone. After a second, Maurice pulls the trigger. His body slumps back and his head slumps forward. And on November 3rd, 1992, Maurice Thério ended his own life after trying to take his wife's life as well. And yeah, that is really weird. It's really strange. But it should be noted that in 1982, 10 years before this, Maurice Thério's father did the exact same thing, except he was successful. Maurice Thério's father took his wife's life and then killed himself in Choctaw, Oklahoma. So do the sins of the father really carry on? When he cursed his father, supposedly, did that carry on? What happened? Who did Maurice ask for help? Did he really put a curse on his father? And by doing so, did he put a curse on himself? Did he really worship Satan? I don't think we'll ever really know the answer. But I'll tell you this much. There's a lot of facts that I did not put into this episode. A lot of personal facts about Maurice. A lot of personal facts about his family. A lot of personal facts about the events that happened. And why? Because they're facts. We gotta put those in the facts and theories episode. And I always gotta keep you wanting more. So on that note. Hopefully you join me for part two. As we try to confirm this. Or debunk it. But until then. I'll see you on the flip side.